Merry Christmas. Great to see all of you here today. I feel like we could have used some shepherds to help the scattering of little kids find their way back to mom and dad. I'm going to be reading this morning from the second chapter of Luke, verses uh, 1 all the way through verse 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first sentence that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all those who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for yourself. Thank you that you came. And thank you that you remain with us, dwelling with us in our hearts through faith. Today, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Uh, Lord, as we come before this great mystery, the great mystery that you are, help me to faithfully interpret the mysteries that you've revealed. Come and help us today to welcome you just as your mother Mary did. Amen. Well, it's definitely a white Christmas this year. <laughs> Now, the white Christmas is nice. I maybe could have done without the 35 below precipitating the white Christmas. Uh, I don't know about all of you, but that was a great reminder to me to get my furnace serviced. <laughs> um, and being still relatively new to the area, I don't have like strong relationships with a bunch of skilled tradesmen or anything like that, but this was one that was actually pretty easy for me. There's, there's a guy I know who works for a heating and cooling company. I know him, I trust him, I trust his company. And so when I needed somebody to service my furnace, I knew who to call right away. That was pretty awesome, just to feel that sense of like trust. These folks are gonna do right by me, right? Um, and I, I was struck at this time of the year, especially at how difficult it can be to trust. Uh, I, I feel like over the last year, a lot of us have sort of been through the trust meat grinder where 
We just look around and we see politicians and governing systems failing us. We go to the doctor and the medical system fails us and it can't connect us with the care that we need at the time that we need it. Uh, even sometimes we find ourselves in religious systems and churches and church organizations that fall short of our expectations and that make it so brutally difficult to continue to trust once our trust is violated. And, that, and that's just at like the big picture systems level. When you bring it down closer to home, I know because I feel it and because I talk with so many of you, the weight of having our trust and our expectations disappointed. Um, the marriage that we thought was gonna be forever, it comes to an end. Christmas is a really painful time of year all of a sudden. The friend that we confided in, told something we never told anybody else, betrays our trust, gossips, becomes widely known. The sibling that we grew up with falls into a destructive pattern. They manipulate us, they steal from us. Our parents, even our parents abandon us. And we come to Christmas and we see the like 1950s utopian nuclear family and we're like, that is just not me and my experience. So what is Christmas for me? And here is the answer of Christmas, that God proves faithful when everyone and everything else fails you. When all other promises and all other promisers fall short and disappoint you, God's word to you is sure. And we know that because we see it in the life of Mary. I'm a, I, if you stick around with me for a while, you're gonna hear me say this again and again and again and again, that the greatest predictor of future performance is past performance. And if you wonder who God is, you can take this to the bank. He is the one who keeps his promises. So today, just gonna put ourselves in Mary's shoes. I'm not gonna preach this whole text. Just gonna think about verses four to seven. What we see essentially is that God has kept his promise to Mary and that he didn't just keep his promise, he kept it in a way that goes so beyond the bare minimum that would have been required for him to keep his promise. And because we've seen what God has done in, with, and for Mary, we can trust that God will keep his promise to us today in the same way. And then we'll take uh, this Christmas as an opportunity to celebrate God's faithfulness to us to treasure these things up in our heart, and then to wait with Mary. In Luke chapter two, God kept a promise to Mary. The promise, going back to chapter one, was really simple, that she was going to conceive even though she was just engaged to be married. She was gonna become a mom and give birth to a son. And now, here in Luke chapter two, we find Mary, I mean, just pan with the camera, see it from her perspective, looking down into this manger, and there is baby Jesus lying in a manger, and she looks back over what's gone on over the last nine months, probably kind of astonished that this is where she is. Who would have imagined if you had told her 12 months ago that at this time, she was gonna be looking down after having an angel appear to her, after having seen another impossible child be born, John the Baptist. And now here she is in David's city looking down on the baby that the angel told her is gonna be David's heir. I mean, this is an impossible child. Mary is a virgin. This is like saying that the raspberry bush in your backyard can produce iPads. It doesn't happen. And here she is, and it has happened. And she knows the only way this is possible is because what God said to me has come to pass. Now, I wonder if it struck Mary as significant that she gave birth and delivered in Bethlehem in David's town. I mean, as in David's day, Bethlehem is a good city for shepherds. 
Remember the first time we meet David. He's out, he's out with the flocks. He's not in the house. Think about what it was like for David to be anointed king of Israel. Samuel goes up to Jesse's house. All of David's brothers are around the house hoping to be the one who's chosen, right? And Samuel's like, nope, 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 nope. Just running down the line and blowing them out of the sky like clay pigeons. Just, no, none of these are the one. Where is the one? Well, there's one more, the youngest. There's no room for him in the house. He's out with the flocks. So now Jesus, the coming king, is sitting there with the angels, with the animals, with the other shepherds. If nothing else, I think that on that first Christmas, Mary must have looked down into the manger and thanked God that he kept his promise. And whether or not she fully realized what he was doing or not, we can see here is David's heir. But I also kind of wonder, I mean, did Mary have the perspective to realize everything that God was doing on that day, all the promises that God was keeping that first Christmas? Because at the end of the day, when God is keeping his promise to Mary that first Christmas, he's making good on a host of promises all throughout the Bible that stretch back to the Genesis account of the creation of the world. Because when Jesus is sitting there in the manger, you have, for the first time, the answer of the promise to Eve that there's going to come from her offspring, someone who's going to crush the serpent's head. He's sitting there in the manger now. You can go forward to Abraham and the promise that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed in Abraham and in his heir, in his offspring. And like Paul tells us in Galatians, who's that heir? Is it Isaac? Yes, but more to the point, it's Jesus, the one through whom all the blessings of that covenant become available to the whole world for the first time. God has gone so far beyond what we would have expected. He gives us Christ as the answer to Mary's promise and a host of other promises, like the promise to Isaiah. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a child, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You could read Emmanuel and think, well, that just means God is with us, like we're God's people and God is with us. And God says, yes, that's true, but it's also even more than that. God is literally with us. He gave him himself. He gave us himself as the great gift and the great fulfillment of all his promises. Now, think about the way that you and I and most people throughout the history of the world have gone about fulfilling promises. Even if you do it really well, you tell somebody the bare minimum of what you will do and what you will provide, and then you make good on that. That's really what we reasonably expect from ourselves and from each other. But when I think about what God did on Christmas Day, I kind of want to shout with the Apostle Paul about the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the power of God and how unsearchable his judgments are. Because who on earth would ever have expected that God would make good on his promises by giving us himself? God could have given like a heroic human child to Eve who could have overcome. As far as Abraham was concerned, Isaac was probably good enough. He didn't look forward to anything else. Mary would have been astonished just to give birth to a child as a virgin, right? Jesus didn't have to be God to fulfill all of those promises according to the bare letter. And they would have still been amazing if God had done all those things. But this is the heart of the Christmas message, that God could have provided us with the bare minimum and still been faithful. But in Christ, he goes beyond it. He gives us himself as the fulfillment of all of his promises. I mean, think again about my furnace. The technician promises that they can provide what I need. I mean, you know, a tune-up. But it, for me, 
this is, would be like coming home and looking down in my basement and finding that not, has, not only has my furnace been tuned up, it's been upgraded. And here's like a working nuclear fusion reactor in my basement. <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, how do you react to that? I mean, I'm stunned because this technology isn't supposed to exist, right? Second, I'm thankful because like my needs have been met. And then some, like for my lifetime and beyond, Third, I'm terrified because this is power beyond my wildest imagination sitting here in my basement looking at me and me looking at it. And then finally, I'm awestruck because whatever is going on here, my furnace is no longer just my furnace and it doesn't just meet my needs and the needs of my family anymore. There's power there to provide clean energy for like, the whole of the human species all over the planet. The greatest, maybe the greatest single challenge facing all of us today, the need for clean energy is solved in this one device sitting in my basement and this smiling technician who told me that they could make my furnace work has ended up solving the greatest crisis facing the planet today. That's what it must really have felt like to be Mary on that first Christmas, looking down at Jesus. Is it a baby? Yes. Is it her child? Yes. Is it so much more? Absolutely. God gives himself to us, going beyond our expectations and our wildest dreams. Even when we think of him and we think that we've imagined what it would take for him to be good in keeping his promises to us, he blows it out of the water. Our expectations are not big enough to encompass his goodness. So, when you find yourself this Christmas waiting for what God has promised you, remember Mary and hope in God's promises. Maybe this Christmas, you're gonna go from here to what's supposed to be a celebration, but you find that you and your family are divided. You can't reconcile the the feuding parties, and it's just emotionally draining. It's exhausting. Remember God's promise. He says in Ephesians 2 that he himself Jesus is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, in context, that passage from Ephesians 2 is about Jesus bringing peace to Jews and Gentiles and bringing them together into one. And let me tell you, if Jesus can bring Jews and Gentiles together and make them one new people, what can he do for your family and mine? Maybe this Christmas you find yourself alone. Maybe you find yourself lonely. Maybe you wish you even had a family that was feuding because that would feel better to you than what you have. Well, this is God's answer to you in Deuteronomy 31. And I quote, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Or maybe you find yourself just totally confused. Your life is so chaotic that you don't know which end is up. You've been pushing and pushing and pushing for years and it feels like you're pushing on a locked door. You know you need to do something new or different, but for the life of you, you can't figure out what it is. This is what God says, Psalm 32. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And we know from 1 Corinthians 1 that that counsel is Jesus, Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Or maybe you just find yourself flat out exhausted. You've been trying to live a good life and it isn't working. Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or maybe there are some of you here today who specifically have been burned out in ministry of one form or another. In this church, one of the greatest things about this church is that there are some people who have a title like pastor, but just a huge percentage of the folks who do the work of this church 
are lay people who want to love the body of Christ and are willing to put their hands up and say, I'm willing to serve. But you know what happens when you find that you're willing to serve? Your nose gets bloody pretty frequently because it's hard work. And so you get to the end of it and you find yourself like the Apostle Paul, so worn out from year after year of grinding ministry that you just don't think you can do it anymore. And this is what God says to you. 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So here again, this is what Mary's story teaches us. God gives himself as the fulfillment of his promises. When we're lonely, when we're tired, when we're disappointed, what we really want often, frankly, is for God to change our circumstances. We want the things that we experience as difficult and draining and grueling and frustrating to get better. And thank God that happens sometimes. But if you were to go back over that list of passages that I just read, as God's promises to the specific situations that often make our life so difficult, here's what you find, is God promises us himself in the midst of the circumstances. Not so much that the circumstances will always change, but there is no circumstance so dark, so grueling, so exhausting, that he cannot give himself in the midst of it. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not encouraging you to be spiritual masochists. Remember what Jesus says about persecution. When they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. This isn't about excusing toxic behavior either from you or from people around you, but the good news of the manger when everyone is looking for a Messiah who's gonna become a warrior king and kick out the Romans. The good news of the manger is that even when Jesus doesn't come initially to change the circumstances, he still comes as himself, and in the midst of your dark circumstances, Jesus is enough. There is a baby in the manger. So this Christmas, be encouraged. Don't miss out when God gives you himself if what you want is a change in circumstance. First, look for the baby in the manger. He'll come again as a warrior king, but accept him now as he comes to you. Would you please stand with me? At the end of Luke chapter 2, Luke the evangelist writes that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She's remembering that God has kept his promise to her against every expectation. God kept his promise. And not did he just keep his promise, he exceeded the word of his promise. The child that Mary is holding in her arms is not just the answer to God's promise to her. Jesus is the answer to every human problem. God didn't just give her an impossible baby. Instead, God himself, the word, became the baby so that Mary gave birth to God. And When you remember that, you can also take confidence in this. As God was faithful then, so he is faithful now. He has not changed. Every promise that he's made to you, every word of his that you can find spoken to you in the word of God is true. In Christ, he is giving you and he is giving all of us himself. So don't stop waiting. In fact, in a sense, I want to encourage all of you to see yourself as continuing to wait, not just like Mary, but waiting with Mary. Because there is a promise in Luke chapter 1 that isn't fulfilled yet. I mean, the promise that Jesus would be born, fulfilled. But the angel also says to Mary that Jesus is going to be great and that God's going to give him the throne of David. We haven't yet seen 
Jesus ascend to the throne of David, when he becomes the culmination of all our political history, when all of us and all of those world systems that we often find so difficult to navigate are swept away and are replaced by the perfect enduring justice of Jesus, Mary is waiting with David for the day when his heir sits on his throne forever. And we're all waiting for that same day. Mary's life stays a life of waiting. Where is she in the first chapter of Acts when Jesus ascends to the Father and sends them all to the upper room? She's there waiting for the Holy Spirit with the disciples. So let's make a point to wait with Mary and to remember that as he came once, so he will come again. The God who sent us Christ on Christmas will come again to rule and reign. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Let's sing together.